Hey there, Dealership Fix-It's. Hey, it's Brian Croft with Dealership Fix-It Podcast. Um, we're back, and uh, thanks for clicking the button to play this and, and check out what we got going on today. You probably see in the in the notes down there, I've got Tiffany Miller on with Moto Resume and, uh, of course, many other things. She's uh, a previous uh, dealership employee, and among other things that she does these days is uh, motoresume.com. Um I won't give her too much of an intro. Well, you'll get what you get from the conversation. Tiffany, thanks for uh, taking a second to jump on with me. Of course, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, I need to. You need to get some. We need to get some more girl power on here. I, most of the there we go. I, most of the folks I talk. To, I mean, I've had women on here, but uh, a lot of times it's you know it's a male dominated industry. I think it's shifting. Oh yeah. To whatever degree, but uh, um, so um, Moto Resume. What is Moto Resume? So motoresume.com started um, because I saw a need for riders, not just racers, but anyone who, you know, rides a dirt bike, a four-wheeler, uh, side-by-sides even. Um, a lot of customers, they're looking for a discount, some form of support, um, but they didn't have something to present to potential sponsors. Um, a lot of times when you go on to a manufacturer website or you go into a dealership or even your local, just local businesses um, that you're seeking support from, you need something just like if you're applying for a job, you need something that looks good, is a good snapshot, you know, explains who you are and what you do and why you want support. And I did not see that. Um, when I was the athlete support manager at EVS, a lot of people didn't have a resume to present to me. Because they didn't know how to make one. They didn't know someone who could make them one. Um, or they didn't have, you know, Photoshop or the computer skills to make something that looked good and that stood out. Um, and so that's where, you know, just over time, um, I knew it was a need. And it's something I've been pretty computer savvy. I would say I like to learn about, you know, how to just do Photoshop and make things look good. but. Um, and I just saw it as a need and I wanted to help riders, you know, all ages too. It can be young kiddos. I've worked with parents. I've worked with pro level racers, um, you know, but it's just something some people are busy. They're, you know, parents don't have the time when they're working full, you know, full time jobs. Um, and so I wanted to take that responsibility and do it for these parents. And then also just my time in the industry, I know where to find the support and I can direct. I can direct these people who I work with, you know, on how to seek that sponsorship, how you should present yourself, um, you know, keeping up with your race results, you know, per se, or growing your social media, how you can market yourself. I like to I like to think I have an okay grasp at that. You know, there's plenty of other people in the industry who are much better at it than I am. But um, from a grassroots perspective, I, I simply came up with the idea of motoresume.com just because I want to help others. I want to give back to our community and it's something I enjoy doing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the work that I have done and I'm really proud of the families I've gotten to work with. It's been, it's a really neat uh, thing I've gotten to do and, and it's just fun and I get to help others. So 
uh, yeah, that's where Moto Resume came from. So, um, you know, it's funny, I think, in, in hearing you lay out the where, you know, the where it came from, the story, it seems pretty obvious that you, you know, were doing a job where people are supposed to be giving you resumes to ask for support for this, you know, for this, you know, racing and, and you know, obviously through the industry, right, and racing moto. Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw a need, right? So that's, you know, obviously you've taken your body, got your brain got into creative mode, like, okay, there people need to do this. And, and then as you moved away and, and weren't doing that job anymore, that's obviously still existed. The reason, obviously, that I had been thinking for a while, like, oh, I really need to see if she'll jump on and do one of these with me. For me, the mental tie-in tie to dealerships has to do with just that, right? So at dealerships, uh, as a dealership employee many years, hi, um, I want to get sponsored you know, can you give me a discount? I want to buy a motorcycle. I want to race it. And and of course, I was a racer kid too, asking for those, you know, deals, you know, not knowing. And then it was many years ago. So it was, it was maybe not as, uh, not everybody was as savvy to it, but to ask for support, you know, like I'm not ever going to get to the level of support that I want, you know, as a racer, but I want to ask and see if I can get some. And then many mm-hmm. years later, working at shops and people walking up to the counter asking for discounts all the time. I'm a racer. I'm going to bring you business. And I think for dealerships, you know, it's not like it, you don't get that. I don't think <laughs> never worked at a car dealership, but I don't think you get that at a car dealership. Like, I don't think they show up and <laughs> say, hey, I'm going to race this, you know, this car. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I have a deal on tires? And like, so it's a unique thing to our space and probably bicycle. Right. Um but I find it so interesting because we need that grassroots, right? I mean, obviously through COVID, I think a lot of people's desire to do something that gives them, you know, the feelings that you get from power sports and, and to do things outside and have their freedom. I think it's really awakened that, um, but we had issues and, and probably still will with keeping that younger generation engaged because they have good options. They can play video games that are just outrageously good graphics and sound and reality and the feelings they get from it. So for me, I think to what you're doing is a great uh, sort of opportunity for dealers to say, yeah, we'll get some of those kids. And when they knock on our door, we'll give them, you know, a percentage off on something if they're good and they're doing the right thing and we want to encourage them. But another option is to say, hey, so here's a company. Moto resume, you know, she knows her stuff, have her, you know, get your folks to, to pay her to do this. We'll help you out, but you probably need help beyond us. You probably need to get direct from the manufacturer support. That's at least my mindset on this. So. Sure. And I think what I've seen too, is because the clients that have worked with me, um, a lot of younger folks, uh, you know, P-dub racers, little fifties, the minis, um, you know, maybe 15, 16 year olds, you know, the younger generation, the younger kiddos and their parents. Um, I encourage them to, you know, build that relationship with their shops that are local to them. Um, because, you know, you get to go into a shop, you get to see your parts, you get to like hands on versus when we're shopping, you know, through manufacturers, you know, it's all online. Um, obviously, it's cool to say that you're you know, sponsored directly, but at that level, you know, you're doing local races. I think it's super important to 
be active with your community. So building that relationship with your shop. Um, but then in turn, when you get that sponsorship from your shop, um, you can go to these local races and present, you know, what your shop has done for you and your family. Um, and it just pushes people, you know, to seek out things in the dealerships. And, you know, I think it's just part of the whole grassroots thing. Um, I remember going, loved going to the shops, loved sitting on the bike, seeing the new, you know, the new Suzuki's come out, you know, when they get new inventory, just walking around and talking to people. And it's, it's just to have something in real time, in person, it's, you know, you, you don't get that type of experience, you know, by sitting on your computer. Um, but at the same time too, um, you know, it's the way of the world now, it's technology. But I just think it's super important for these families to realize that you're going, you you are missing out on support if all you do is look for direct manufacturer, online only, um, because it's not just dealerships too, it's, it's local businesses. And, and, you know, we always see on Facebook, support local, support, you know, support local businesses, support, you know, family owned and, and in our industry, you know, that, that is also true. You have to go to your shops. You know, those are family owned sometimes too. You know, there are those big chain dealerships like I worked for Ride Now, but, um, you know, I don't want families to miss out on that opportunity for support um, just because they expect support like on a super cross level. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. The, um, I was going to ask you, and as you mentioned, you know, working at shops, um, you know, you said, you said it's been some, a few years since you worked at shops, but you and I talked before the episode and you said, it's funny, you talked, you talked to friends and, and things that work at shops currently. So you feel like you've got a good pulse on, you know, what is it all different this many years later? And it turns out it really isn't right. There's, there's a lot of excitement right now at shops because people are interested in, in what motorcycle shops sell. Uh, but there's a lot of, you know, the same frustrations exist. Um, not to dig into necessarily frustrations. We know, we know a lot of what I think those are, but I was wondering if you'd be willing to kind of share some of your, I don't know, good, good memories of, of times, like some of the best, you know, of when you worked at shops. Oh yeah. I mean, when I was at Ride Now Austin, uh, in Austin, Texas, it, it was formerly, uh, Woods Fun Center. Um, the best times was, I mean, it was every weekend. I loved knowing that I worked for the shop. I loved talking about the shop. I loved telling people to come shop with me. You know, I'll help you out. Oh, I was just so amped to represent, you know, this dealership that I wholeheartedly, I, I just, I love the industry, loved being a part of it, loved being part of my shop and, and getting people meeting people at the track, meeting their friends, meeting their family, and then having them come in looking for me, it, there was nothing better, you know, not only were they a customer, but they became regular friends that I would make plans with to go ride at the track. And when there was a race going down, you know, having the canopy set up, the big, you know, trailer from the shop, um, it made me feel like, man, I, wow, I am so cool. This is, so awesome to have this set up and it was everything I dreamed of when I was younger because I never I never had that opportunity growing up um, 
I had a dirt bike at a YZ250F when I got older, but I just rode and rode on our property. My dad didn't have the funds to take me to the dirt bike track. Um, you know, it just wasn't in the cards for me to ever race when I was younger. And in a way, when I was at the shops, I was like, this is it. I am living out my childhood dreams. This just cannot get better. I love this industry. And, you know, every weekend when it was Sunday, because obviously we work Saturdays, going to the track with my with my homies and just meet, making those plans to meet up with people. There was nothing better than that. And then, you know, you get your motos in and then you go and sit under the tree and you, you know, you just enjoying the moment is what it was for me. And, and I'll never get that time back. And, you know, it's, it was just awesome. It was such to have that feeling of community, um, your local, you know, just locals that would come up and they'd shop with you or they'd stop in after their work day during the week. It really was so meaningful to me. Um, and that was something that I loved about working in the shops. The, um, it's funny as you're saying that in my mind, it's like your, your brain's literally telling you, I get to do this. Wow. I get to do this, this, I can't believe I get to do this. And I remember that same feeling when I went to work at shops and that was after, I don't know, I was probably in my early twenties. I went to work at a shop in Texas and, um, I just remember being like, wow, I get to do this. Now it doesn't mean that the days weren't long. And it wasn't exhausting and I didn't get irritated with customers and irritated with other, you know, fellow employees and all those sort of things. But you're right. That sort of, I get to do this was always, always existed there. And for me, after many years at shops in that area in Texas, um, I became an outside rep. That's when I worked for Scott Goggles. And um, it was like the next level version of the same thing because I got to go and see shops. I got to go and do ride days. And I knew it as a parts and service person at dealerships that this sort of, you know, that when you get the the people's sort of minds where they've merged together and like, oh, my customer and me, we're in the same place. We're both in the I get to do this and we're really enjoying it. It's interesting sort of the, like you say, the friendships that it, that it begins and the relationships in that way when you get to go and ride together. We know it as a ride with our pals and our buddies, but if you get to ride with a customer it just changes the dynamic in such a great way. Oh yeah. And I've gotten to see even young kids grow up and that is something that I never would have expected, I guess, but I still follow, you know, my friends and just to see their families grow or someone who is new to riding and they just took it in full force, you know, and they've just grown. There was nothing better than to see somebody just, grow in our industry um as a rider and it just was it's so cool and you know it's neat with the resume stuff too i have a lot of young you know 50 riders it's their first you know maybe it was their first season of racing but i know what that turns into and it turns into many years of getting to watch these kids grow both as a rider and as a person watching their families grow with it and so that was something when i was in the shops you know, looking back now, because it's been a, quite a few years since I've been in the shops, um, it's just really neat to see these kids grow up um, and just where their riding has taken them, the successes that they've had, the injuries. You know, I've, I've seen them, you know, have some pretty gnarly injuries, but they end up coming back. And it's just really cool to 
to see that. Did um, it's yeah, it's interesting the sort of the lens that we get to see, you know, people's lives sort of interwoven the the at least the the one layer of it, you know, to do with riding and racing, and you know, if we're talking about it from a shop's perspective, it's uh, I think it's that double-edged sword. Right. So you've got the, you know, how great that is. And it's, and it's such a level of enthusiasm again, you know, it's like I say, I don't know that you get that at the car dealership, which is why, you know, guys can go there and it's something people, most people have to have, but you know, like I say, you don't show up there and really there's no, the vibe is obviously very different. So, um, yep. um, but that, like I say, the double-edged sword of that is that, that's, I think, as a shop person or, you know, as a rep that sells to shops or name all the things, all the ways that, you know, we all interact in this business, that's, we're managing and working with people whose um, enthusiasm, you know, might be a bit of a, a roller coaster ride, you know? Um, yep. So you, you probably experienced it. I know I have lots of stories about it, but where all that great stuff at a shop, but it can sour. And then of course, Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you've got to probably count on leadership, right? You as an, as an employee, if you're an employee at a shop can do what you can do, but you know, the, the ownership or the management of the shop obviously has to be able to step up and, and help fix that. Yep. And you know, I remember when I was in the shop and we went from family owned to corporate, and uh, you and I had touched base on this before, but um, being able to adapt as an employee and roll with those changes was so essential for me uh, and growing in the industry. Um, and I mean, to be quite frank, our industry, motorcycles in general, side by side, they're luxury items. It's, they're the first things to go when times get tough. So you have to be prepared you know, to roll with those punches in terms of sales and times do get tough. And then the grind of, you know, to make a living in our industry, like you have to have, you know, a lot of people talk about being motivated, but it comes down to discipline as well. And uh, having that discipline to get up and know why you are in the industry, you know, what gets you out of bed is super important. But for sure, there were always there were definitely tough days to be had at the shop level for sure. But, you know, I just felt that if you're able to roll through everything, you know, take everything with a grain of salt and just be a sponge and, and accept the changes and then know when, you know, maybe when it was appropriate for you to move on, uh, you know, maybe take a different opportunity, but, but still doing what you can to help the business needs and, you know, just doing what you can as uh, an employee really at least helped me uh, get to where I'm at and, you know, just, uh, just enjoying it for what it is, you know? Do you think that, um, you know, obviously at this point we, you know, the business has some shortages, you know, thankfully for them, they're busy enough to have shortages of personnel, right? They've got, we don't have enough technicians and name all these, you know, areas of the dealership that, they struggle to have it with the amount of how busy they are. Um, sort of what's your thought on, as you stand now outside of working at shops, you know, you, you do your own thing with a resume. You've had many years experience at shops. Um, you're still into shops now on from an outsider sort of walking in. Um, what are some things you think that they need to do 
to make sure that shops are where people still want to go if that's not the same thing as it was in the past or is, you know, what, how do we do that? Um, so my, for me at least, it was always being enthusiastic, having that enthusiasm. I think naturally my personality is just, I'm a bubbly person. I'm, I'm outgoing, um, when it comes to power sports. And so, you know, when a customer would come in, whether they were a regular or someone I had never met before, they're a new rider. I always wanted to make that customer experience at my shop um, memorable. I wanted them to remember who I was. I did small things that set me apart from my uh, coworkers um, so that they knew who I was. But in the shop, you know, a negative mindset could be so toxic um, and you see that with changes, you know, changes in leadership, management. Um, so my biggest thing was having people around you, you know, if someone was having a bad day and I didn't want that to come over, you know, into, into my circle, into my bubble, you know, I didn't want it to bring me down mentally. I would just do what I can to try and help that other person. You know, they talk about sales being cutthroat. Um, but something my manager at Ride Now taught me was when, you know, when you're helping your parts counter people, you're helping the service department. If you're helping others, it helps the department as a whole, which means uh, we get more money in our pockets. And then, you know, how I've always viewed it, I want everyone to succeed that I work with anyways. But really setting that example for your, for your employees, you know, being that enthusiastic leader. Um, you know, I get that we have hard days, so you need to be a manager who can listen and, and, you know, pull someone aside when you can tell they're having a hard time, figure out what it is that makes them tick and, and what can get them, you know, kind of back on track in terms of being happy to be there at work. What can we do to make our employees want to be at work or go the extra mile when they see somebody walk out into the parts department, you know? don't stand behind the counter. We need to go out. Let's, let's strike up that conversation. I mean, you're going to be there all day. So why not make it fun when a customer comes in, you know, let's, let's see what, what are they up to? What are they doing? Oh, you're riding, going trail riding this weekend. Awesome. What kind of bike you got? Like there's nothing. It's kind of like you said with a car dealership, I wouldn't expect somebody, a car salesman to be like, wow, a Honda Accord that is so cool. I love that sedan. What are you going to do with it? Like it's, that's, that's not how a car dealership is. And that's something unique to our industry. What are you going to um, do with it? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, Oh, I'm going to pick my kids up at school. We're going to have the nicest Honda Accord there is, you know, it's, it's, it's different. Um, and just at least from my perspective and how I try to be as a leader, um, I try and, you know, get a pulse on my reps and figure out what it is that makes them tick, you know, what kind of riding they might do or what they find fun and how we can translate that into their interactions with customers. That way the customer is like, oh, I like coming to the shop. I like talking to Tiffany. You know, she made it fun. I'm going to bring my kids next time so that she can meet them and make it fun for them, you know. And it turns it into not just them spending money on parts that they need, but there's a purpose behind, you know, getting the product that they need to have. And 
and, you know, making it worth it. You know what I mean? Making it different. Just, yeah. Absolutely. And a couple of things you had mentioned, um, sort of get my mind wrapped around that, you know, as an employee at a shop, and obviously I'm saying this to think about like, you know, we were both employees at shops, neither one, neither you nor I owned a shop, right? So, Mm -hmm. but there's a, definitely a fine balance that has to go on with those who uh, manage or, or own uh, motorcycle dealerships, right? These, the power sports uh, industry, uh, you're, we've got to have enthusiasts. We've got to people that are excited and motivated to be there because that's the sort of the fire. Cause that's, what's expected from the, from the customers that come in. And at the same time, like you said, it's a cultural thing. You know, if there's some negativity going on, um, nobody wants to deal with that person. People avoid that person. That person's obviously then your interaction with consumers as they come in, these customers that you need to, to keep engaged. So I always think about dealers, you know, ownership and management have such a tough role because they've really got to be able to, you know, keep these people engaged and motivated, right? That will probably happen on its own, but they need to be a part of it. Um, but then they've got to keep them productive productive, like moving forward in their careers. Cause if you hire somebody pretty typical, right at shops to go in as a younger person, because you know, that's, you know, that level of enthusiasm's through the roof, they're trainable, all these different components of it. But then a dealership, yep. I wonder if sometimes dealerships struggle with that transition at some point, an employee at a shop starts to hit the wall on whatever pay, uh, mobility, upward mobility. Like, what am I going to do here? Like, what else am I get? I'm a parts person. I'm a service person. I'm a salesman. Like maybe they have desires to do other things. They don't know what that is. And I know that a lot of times, not necessarily at the shops I worked at. I mean, there's examples of it for sure. Not all the shops. Some are, were great shops and I could have seen myself continuing on and, and, you know, try to sweat equity into a, you know, part ownership of a new location, you know, for that same, uh, ownership. But I think they struggle with, how do we keep this employee's trajectory upward and their mental attitude good, looking for, for new new sites from an enthusiast type person? We know that that's what they are. How do we do that knowing that we might do that and then we lose them? They go become a distributor rep. Yep. They go become a manufacturer rep. They go name that thing. They go do something else where they take all of what we've just trained them on and they run off and do something else. And um I don't know where that balancing point is, but um, I guess I just was going to try to, because we were talking obviously in that direction is how it felt to me. What are some mm-hmm. things you think they need to do to make sure that they can invest in these employees and know that, hey, they might leave, they might not leave, but we need to invest in them to make them the best, to make us the best, you know, in the area, the region, you know, how do, how do they find that balance? You know, that's it's something, you know, I also am not super sure Um, but from my perspective, if you invest and train into someone that you see somebody who you see in that person that they're going to want to keep growing, that, you know, they might move on, like you said, to become an outside sales or they'll move on from your shop. Um, but if you give them those tools to grow and be better than they were the year before, and you leave that positive impact, that that employee will more than likely invest, you know, that positive energy into other employees in hopes that maybe they grow or they might know somebody who is wanting to, you know, need a job or 
you know, looking to get their break in the industry. And, and if you make the culture in your department, your parts department, your service department, the sales floor, if you make it so that your employees want to be there, then they're going to share that with people and say, hey, you're looking for a job. I love the shop that I work for. My manager has been super attentive to me. They've helped me grow. I've learned this, this, and this. Um, you know, and these opportunities are coming, you know, from my time at the shop. They're going to share that with others. And that might be a way, you know, I'm just, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm just talking, but that could be a way that we bring new people into the industry, you know, enthusiastic people to get behind the parts counters. Um, you know, but if you're not setting that example with, you know, the enthusiasm, the positivity, wanting to help people grow, teaching people, um, you know, teaching people different processes or whatever it may be. If you're not investing into your employees, then why would they reach out and invest into the customer or into potential new, co you know, new employees? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yep. And I think that's, um, you know, uh, you know, it may be worth mentioning, you know, right now, if, if, as I'm talking to you, neither you nor I work at a dealership right now, we both have and have gone on to do other things. Um, you currently, obviously, aside from your resume business, if somebody goes to LinkedIn, we haven't mentioned it yet, but you work at motosport.com, right? So you're kind of mm -hmm. the non-shop, you know, the and you've been there for a couple of years, right? Uh, I just had my one year back in March, okay. I believe. So just okay. over a year, okay. yeah, a year and a half or so. But that's, I guess, where I, I say that, you know, um, you know, not that like we're now the the enemy of dealerships everywhere, you know, right. Like oh way. yeah. But it's, um, it's to point out that if, you know, if dealerships are struggling, you know, are they, a, are they a training grounds for, for those who want to go on and do other things? I, I don't think so. There's plenty of people who would, who love working at a dealership who love to be there in the mix. And in fact, I think you and I talked about it before. We all miss the action of, of dealerships, you know, when we don't work at them, you know, and we have fond memories. And, and I know that there was plenty of struggles and hard times you and I both had, um, you know, we talked about having, you know, through the years, you miss that. There's a lot of greatness to it. Um, you know, for me, it, I just didn't want to be um, in a dealership that wasn't mine. Um, every day, all day, I, I wanted to be out and about. That's my personality type. Um, so, yep. you know, I think maybe if, I don't know if necessarily this is a lesson, but, you know, for the both of us that have, have done other things, and, and I don't know if that's common or uncommon, I know some of the shops through the years um, that I've been in, in different parts of the country, where I either grew up or lived in Texas for so many years separately, and then here where I'm in the Northwest, there's plenty of people I see that are the same people at the shop, you know? Yep. And, um, there's, there's something, there's definitely something there, but I guess, you know, only to point out that there's some, some cautionary tales, you know, for, uh, for, for those in charge of shops to, to, you know, like you say, keep training people, keep trying to find them ways to keep them happy, keep them serving your customers. Right. Cause they, if, if you've got somebody that's unhappy and not wanting to be there, um, you know, it spills over. Absolutely. It does. Yeah. The, um, what did a friend of mine say the other day? He called it, uh, silent resignation, I think, or something like that. It's basically mm -hmm. where, you know, where you've mentally 
you've checked out mentally. Even if you are still there showing up, doing a job, you might be still doing a great job there. There may be a silent sort of checkout that occurred. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I think, I think people naturally, I'm, I'm a vibe kind of person mm-hmm. and you know, like you said, that mental checkout, I think eventually it does come to light. Um, other people will notice it and, but I get it though. I mean, we, life happens and there's just some days are good. Some days are not as good. Um, but so when you're in a management position and in, in, in a shop or, or you don't even have to be in a management position, just being a coworker, um, you know, getting that sense from someone you work with, but just trying to be that person, trying to be that friend who, you know, Hey, you know, what's going on? What can we do to make your workday better? What can we do to make this more fun to give you that spark back? You know what I mean? I, I do exactly know what you mean. It's funny. There's, um, I think there's maybe a different philosophies of different people. It's sort of the sort of, um, I don't know, the guarded, like, no, 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 this isn't, you know, you're working here for me now. I can't have you going and doing this other thing in the evenings and the days you're off. I, I wouldn't say I've ever been told that at shops. Um, but I know there's the mentality that this is, you know, we, we hire you for this. We need you to be all in here and not come here exhausted. I feel like that, mm-hmm. that has changed at least from what, and maybe it's, you know, a factor of, of COVID or, or just where we're at. But I know that anywhere where I managed people, I took the opposite approach, maybe not every time, but I definitely mentally, I believe in the opposite of that. I think if somebody's, I don't know, you're, let's say you're working at a shop, a parts guy. I remember working at a shop and being like installing graphics on some motocross bikes for some of the riders that rode out of the shop or whatever. And I'd be sitting there thinking like, I could do this. This is fun. You know, I'm putting graphics on a bike. So if let's say somebody that was their thing, they love to do it and they wanted to start their own graphic business or whatever. Mm-hmm. And as long as they show up and bust their butt when they're showing up and getting paid, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're, uh, putting in their hours at the shop. If you can keep somebody's, I don't know, keep the fire burning. I don't know what the, exactly the analogy would be, but, um, keep them fired up, um, on things that aren't going to benefit the shop, you know, in this case, um, I think that that's the times we're in, you know, I think if I were working at a shop, for example, and I'm like, Hey, I'm doing dealership fix it podcast and I'm working at a shop locally. If I had to do that or wanted to do that or whatever, they'd have to know it's that I'm going to be talking to other shops. And I'm going to be talking to industry people. And I'm going to do this other thing. And, um, for me, I think that I don't know if today, you know, if dealerships are, um, encouraging that sort of the entrepreneurial spirit, I don't, right. I don't know if, if you have any vibe or talk to your friends, do you have friends that work at shops in your area that also do other things? Um, I don't have any close personal friends, um, but I have seen, and this is something uh, I would want to share with others. You don't want to market something that takes away like blatantly takes away from your shop. Like, like I've seen it. Um, I've just seen, I've seen instances and I'm like, you should not be promoting this other company 
who does the same work that your own shop that employs you gives you health <laughs> yeah, benefits. No, that's, a like, that's, that's a direct that's, conflict. Absolutely not, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you got to understand when it is a direct conflict, yes. Um, so you have to be aware. I think just awareness, like it's good to have that entrepreneur that I can't, I don't think I can say it. You'll have to say entrepreneurial. You got it. Um, you're, a college, um, you're a college degree. You got more better words than I have, I'm sure. Oh gosh, that doesn't mean anything. But, um, but having that, you know, having that motivation to do something outside of your normal nine to five job, that's awesome. But you do have to be aware. That's the only thing that I would for sure want to say is you have to be aware of who you do work for and who, who writes your checks. You know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, it's, I think it's a great way for other people to explore, you know, maybe, um, new skill sets that they wouldn't be able to do at their shop. You know what I mean? But be open with who, you know, be open with your manager about maybe what you're thinking of doing. And, you know, sometimes too, they, they, they might want to tie that in to their shop you know? Mm-hmm. So just being open, trying not to hide it per se. And, you know, just having that open communication, uh, if you are looking to explore outside of what you normally do. Mm-hmm. I had, um, at one point here after I left the motorcycle business, I had worked for an auto auction, you know, a big, you'd know the name, big auto auction. And I was a manager at the location and, um, I had, I don't know, four or five direct reports that were mine and then a whole, you know, 80 other people in the, in the, in the, on the property that if my boss wasn't there, they would come to me. So I I felt like, you know, an HR person all the time talking about people's feelings and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. But, um, one thing that really stood out to me and definitely this is a big corporate entity, they would not have allowed me to do it. Um, but I would have, you know, employees come in, we do like our little one-on-ones, they'd come into my office and, we talk about, you know, what's going on. Are they hitting their numbers? You know, because again, corporate, corporate program. But one of the things was, and I think they thought I was a weirdo and maybe it was, maybe it was a bit of a trick. They learned to trust me over time on it, but I would ask them questions about like, what would you do? What would you want to do if you didn't work here? Like, oh, well, I don't know. No, I always, you know, it's like the sort of the corporate, you know, like, no, I'd always want to work here. I'd live and die and always work here. This is the only place I'd ever want to work, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> but <laughs> There was one employee in particular that this sort of makes me think of who, um, let's just say he wasn't hitting his numbers of the ones who, you know, made outbound phone calls and were trying to canvas and bring in um, customers to dealers, you know, auto dealers in this case into this auction. Um, he was the the worst performer. Let's just say that. Um, great guy. Fun. He's a young kid. Uh, but after talking to him about, you know, I don't know. I want to say we weren't talking about dreams, but we were basically talking about like, what would you want to, you know, when I was, you know, before I came to work here, I had, you know, this going on and he had some sort of like little food cart thing. This is before food carts went nuts too. This is, you know, a number of years ago. And he's like, I used to do that. And, um, I think I'd like to do that again. I miss that. And I miss the things that I wanted to do with that and sort of the progression of it. And just literally, him telling me about it. And he's like, yeah, but you know, this is what I do now. And that's not something I'm going to do. And I said, Hey, you could still do that. You could still go on and do that. Just know that we, I want the best from you when you're here. And I think if you need to be yep. excited about life and tapped into the potential that you can go and change your life, 
I, I as your manager, I'm definitely going to get the best out of you here. If you're fired up, that means if, if you need me to after hours, help you build a business plan to do your food cart. And it means it's, you're going to take that over and it's going to be your full-time job and you leave here. That's better for me <laughs> because we're not continuing to invest in you if you're going to leave, but more so that if you are excited about it and building this other dream, we're definitely getting your best and most creative in that time. That's my opinion. Yep. And uh, I remember being like, well, I sure as heck can't tell anybody in corporate that we're talking about this. And I know it was like this kind of, I don't want to say secret, but he'd come in and we'd do one-on-one. We wouldn't talk about it all the time. We just talked about it once or twice. And his performance on his calls and his interaction and his demeanor interacting with our customers, my customers, you know, that came into the location for the auction was at an all-time high during that period when we when we sort of tapped into that. So I feel like I'm on a soapbox right now, but you know, I'm picturing if I'm at a dealership right now and I'm managing at a dealership again, um, you know, you got to get to know you got different personalities you're dealing with. If you don't know and haven't taken personality tests and your dealership doesn't do them, you might consider it. You might consider it for your own uses mm-hmm. for for knowing how you want other people to interact with you and what your strengths and weaknesses are, you know, some sort of red flags to know about. Um, but also to make sure you know that you got individuals that you're putting into a role. How do they fit into that role if they do? And then where are they going next? Because if you got a guy mm-hmm. working in the parts counter and you feel like he's doing a good enough job, you don't have a replacement for him. But you can really motivate him by saying, what else would you want to do in the dealership? Oh, shoot, I don't know. I always wanted to do sales. I thought that's the job to have. Why don't we cross train you? Why don't we start talking about that? Start working toward that. I can't lose you in parts, but anyway, so that's, again, that's me on my soapbox just to say that needs to be the mentality or we will lose people who would have been great employees, great, you know, ambassadors of your, of your dealership brand. So what, what thoughts on that? Um, most definitely. I think too, if, if someone is just, you know, they don't see any chance to grow as an employee and they feel stuck, you're not going to get the best performance out of them. Um, and they're not going to be happy. And, you know, at the same time too, if they're stuck in that position, what if, you know, we didn't give them the tool set, the skill set to grow and then maybe move on and open up that position to possibly bring in somebody fresh and new who's eager and wants to learn. Like, you know what I mean? You know, I, I, it's, there is that chance, obviously, that the spot might not be filled right away. Um, and that, you know, I don't deal a lot with numbers and, and all of that. Um, I just manage people now and just try and keep the, keep the, keep the boat, you know, sailing. Um, but, but I just see it as if you are giving somebody, the time and and you're showing interest in how they can grow as an employee, you know, they might move on or they'll give you their best every day when they come to work. And if they move on, I just see it as an opportunity to possibly bring in somebody new who is, you know, who could be the next best parts person, but you wouldn't know that if that spot never opened up, um, if that spot just stayed stagnant, you know, an employee just wasn't happy, but they didn't feel they could go anywhere. And they feel like, well, I, you know, I'm management doesn't want to train me, so I'm just gonna, you know, half-ass it. That's it. I'm just gonna come here to make a paycheck, and that's it. You know what I mean? So, giving people that room to grow, I think, 
can be beneficial. There might be growing pains, but I think in the end, um, you know, there's always going to be someone who can fill that spot and it could be the best person, someone real memorable. You know what I mean? You might get a couple, couple bummers, I guess, you know, but those, you know, those people, they tend to come and go. Um, but every now and then I think there's always somebody who does come along and they do make an impact. Um, if, yeah. um, I don't know if this is a thing, but let me ask and just see if, if you have, yeah, that's an example, right. Or there, or there isn't one, you know, you were at dealerships. It looks like until I'm looking at your LinkedIn, maybe 2018. Does that sound about right? Yep. Okay. Yep. So if. 2018, you left dealerships, right, to, to go do other things in the business, right? You've been in, in around power sports, and you definitely have staying power with how many different things you've done in the in the business, and it sounds like you're really enjoying what you're doing now and in, in, in multiple things that you got going on. Is there an example of anything that you could have gone and done at a dealership that would have kept you engaged in being at a dealership, or do you feel like you just, the time just passed? Like, for me, I'll give you an example. I... When I left dealerships, I didn't feel like I wanted to be at a location all the time. I needed more, for me, I needed more outside time. I needed more, I don't want to say freedom, but the idea that that's my personality type is to be out and about. Maybe I stop and buy a new shirt at the at a store when I'm actually on company time or supposed to be doing sales. You know, like I need that flexibility to keep my creativity intact. I think that's my thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I think... If I had been put into a um, into a position where I could see um, whether it's a sweat equity ownership thing or a or a big sort of uh, you know general manager, I mean some of these guys make you know two or three hundred thousand dollars a year. If I had been put on track for some of that, I might still be at dealerships, and I'm happy with where I'm at. But if for a dealership who is like, man, I people come, people go, nothing I can do about it. Um, so, out, yeah, is there something that, is there a situation for you? Like, would you have been at dealerships if you were put on a different path? Absolutely. I think one thing, uh, the reason why I moved out of the dealership side was I wanted to represent a company that people knew, um, you know, motosport.com people know that name, right? Um, I have it blasted on my graphics, Rhett's graphics, um, when I was in the shop, I wanted to have that freedom of when I would go to the tracks that I was Woods Fun Center. Um, but that would require, you know, me, I would have wanted to do the marketing side of things. I would have loved to have worked with the tracks, um, you know, doing ride days that, that, you know, Woods Fun Center put on. Um, I wanted to be that go-to person, but it wasn't in my cards. Uh, they needed me on the parts counter. You know, I, I couldn't be out and about. Um, I was a good parts counter person. I did well in sales. So they wanted me behind the counter. Um, but where I saw myself was like, like what you said was I liked being out and about. I liked being the face of Woods Fun Center. Um, you know, it made me feel good when customers came in and they, you know, they were seeking help from me. Um, and I did that by getting out to the tracks when I could on my off days. Um, and then, you know, using Facebook and Instagram to, pro to promote me as a salesperson. Um, you know, I was promoting our shop, but I was promoting myself. 
Um, so if there would have been a, an opportunity for me to, because at the time I felt I had a decent pulse on the Central Texas riding community. Um, I was, you know, outgoing. I loved meeting new people. But um, if I would have been given that chance to be fairly compensated, um, you know, I think that could have really helped grow maybe. Um, but you know, it was just, they had a marketing person and, uh, that was their deal, but I was in it. I, I rode, I was in the, I had the bikes, you know, I raced. Um, so it was, it was off putting to me at the time, you know, that me, the person who rode and was, you know, out there with other people in our community that I wasn't given the opportunity to, you know, take the tent with me every time I went or um, be the go-to person to maybe set up these ride things or put on the bike nights, you know, or, or, or even just play a role with the marketing person um, at the time, you know, just getting my input because um, the marketing person, they didn't have, they just had the marketing degree, but they didn't ride. So, um, and that's something I think I've seen not just on the dealership side, but a manufacturer side, I've seen a lot of changes in our industry where they're hiring higher ups from. Um, they're bringing people in from outside of the industry. And I don't, I, I personally think, you know, you should be in the industry to know how it ticks. Um, but again, I am not one of the head honchos of anything. So I don't know how numbers work. I'm sure there's reasoning for why they bring people from outside fields you know to run these big corporations and stuff but well, if i would have had oh go ahead no i was just gonna say i think you know it's I, I appreciate you sharing some of that obviously you know is it like in hindsight i'm not not that there's an answer to this but mm -hmm. obviously you know if you're if we're looking at it from the dealership's lens right they they probably if you were in a parts role and kicking an ass right they're they're probably like well we don't have we can't just, yep. we replace their hands a were tied. Total vacuum in that way, but that doesn't let them off the hook in that particular scenario. If, you know, obviously, if you had known enough at the time, but you were looking for to fill that creative void that you had, that you, you were there expressing and doing and working on their behalf, you know, you're, you're, you're plugging yourself into their program. Um, you didn't obviously know, but you looked to fill that void and, and the way you did it was by leaving and doing something else elsewhere. Yep. Right. So they missed the opportunity to better understand, you know, you as the person, what your desires yep. are, how, how they can fill up your cup or whatever the saying is. You know, I think about friends that have mentioned at dealerships, that whole, you know, all the people in the right seats on the bus, well, sometimes right. those things you need to be looking, okay, everybody's in the right seat. I feel confident we're locked and loaded, but what's the future look like? Because all those people in those seats, they're not going to want to sit in those same seats all the time, <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. And, you know, that was the one, that was the main reason why I ended up moving on, moving on was because I felt like I wasn't getting that support from my management, from the shop, the support that I was seeking um, or felt that I you know, what I wanted. Um, and when I moved on from that, I also knew too, like to be able to move up in the industry, like I had to put my time in and I had to be confident in the work I did at the shop. Um, but that was 
truly the reason why I moved on from the dealership side was just the lack of what uh, the lack of support. And I was, I constantly, as I moved throughout through the industry, that was always my main goal was to end up at a company that supported me. Um, you know, a good, not just a good work life balance, um, but just supported me, um, and my riding, um, encouraged me to grow as an employee. Um, and I always, that was always, it was never for me, it was never the money. It was never the highest paying salary. You know, it it never was that for me. For me, it's, it's having leadership that supported me that could, you know, cultivate a, a, you know, just growth, uh, as a person and as a professional. Um, and I've been very, very fortunate to find that where I'm at now. Um, you know, but when I was in the shops, I made sure that I was busting my ass and being the best parts person that I could be. I was helping, you know, the other departments, uh, because all I could see from me being like that is that eventually in the end it would pay off and I would end up where I needed to go. So, um, I tried, there was a point in time, I think it was probably a year and a half into my time at my big dealership where I got super salty. I didn't want, I was just burnt out, I think. Um, and I was mentally checked out. I was just kind of over everything. I was tired of, I was commission only. So it was, you know, you had to hustle to make a paycheck. But I remember my manager telling me, he's like, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be here. You can just leave. You can go find something else. And I remember that him saying that to me, it kind of just, oops, I think my kid wants out. Hang on. That's okay. No, no. Yeah. Take care of family. Hang on. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll chat a little more while she's away. She'll have to listen and, uh, we'll catch her back up. But, um, we definitely, um, I think we need to have, um, mindset check-ins with, with our staff, you know, with our people. Um, I think if you've got somebody doing a job to find out, uh, where they're at, you know, mentally, you know, Hey, so how fulfilled are you? What's fulfilled? I don't know. You know? How jazzed are you to be doing this? What do you think? What's next? Um, I think that's something where it definitely needs to be a part of the conversation um, at any business. This isn't a dealership-specific thing, but I think the enthusiast, the level of enthusiasm that people come to this business in to go work at dealerships um, is definitely something where we need to keep a, a tighter sort of rein on that. All right. I just gave her a bag of cheese. Says, what kid doesn't love cheese? going to turn on Monster Zinc for her. Oh, it's awesome. Well, and, you know, obviously, you know, life things happen to, to have to have a little one like that. You know, it'd be difficult to be at a dealership and, and juggle what you have going on anyway oh, yeah. right now. But that's a that's a whole other dynamic, you know, that that nothing, yep. could, nothing could fix. I was just as I was kind of spinning my own yarn as you were getting her dialed in with the cheese and cheese and movie. But, um, (laughs) I was basically just saying, I think, you know, if I'm talking and somebody who hears this as a manager or an owner of a shop, um, I think what obviously that would point out as an example is we need to have, if we don't want to lose people from the dealership proper that still should be there, could be great employees. 
I think there maybe needs to be a better check-in process with that person mentally to be like, Hey, how, oh, yeah. how, you know, how fulfilled are you here? And somebody, you know, who's 21 years old working at a shop, be like, dude, this is awesome. Well, no, no. I mean, like what's next for you? What's next for us is, you know, is there something yep. else you want to do here at the shop? You know, are we like, are you, you know, I don't know you well enough. Are you creative? Are you, you know, just like, I like to come in and know my job's the same every day. I never want to go anywhere else. Like, okay, if that's fulfilling for you, just know that at any point, we'd love to have a chat. If that person starts seeing fulfillment elsewhere, you know, the rep that comes in that leaves every day. I remember thinking a district manager that walked in from Yamaha into the Yamaha shop I was at, come in dressed nice. He's only literally carrying like a cell phone or a tablet or whatever they had back in those days. I don't remember, but I feel like he just walked in with like a little handheld little thing and a phone, looked nice, company car, yep. talked about stuff, walked out. I thought, man, that looks like the job to have. I'm filthy. I'm opening boxes. I'm putting stuff on the shelves. I'm cleaning stuff all the time. Obviously, that's not reality, but my perception was what else, what else, what else? So um, I think I think probably a better check-in with people on. Definitely. That's, you know, that was my takeaway when um, the role that I'm in now, um, it is a management position. I have a team that does report to me. Um, and I don't know if it's my psychology background too, or I just care about people and how they're doing, but I try and make it a point and I definitely think I could be better about it, but I've always tried to make it a point to build that rapport with my reps, just as I did with my customers. Um, because, you know, I want my team to know that I'm there to support them. It's not that I'm a manager. I am there because I care about you and I want you to, you know, be doing your best, uh, fulfilling your potential. Um, and because I know when I had, um, you know, good role models to me who really, you know, put their time and invested in me, that's when I performed my best. Mm -hmm. Um, so I try and carry that now, um, in my position and, you know, I'm just not someone who like, I don't lay the hammer down. You know what I mean? I, I try and get a pulse on my reps and do what I can to support them through whatever it is that they're going through, whether it's they're struggling to close sales or uh, product knowledge, um, interactions with customers. Um, I try and figure out, you know, what makes them tick, you know, what's going on outside of work. And, you know, I, I take all those things into account in hopes that, you know, if I show interest and invest in them and I truly do care for, for each of, you know, anyone that I work with, um, I just hope that it comes back threefold and it typically does it, you know, it, it does work out. Um, so I just try and lead that way. Um, and just help people grow as best they can, because I know that when I was in the shops, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted to, I wanted to grow and the people that did see that in me, they've pushed me and it, it just, it helped. So, so I just hope that that's what I can do for, you know, my reps or anyone that is ever wanting to get in the industry or just had questions, you know? Well, we, um, this, I, this conversation's great. We're coming up to an hour. There's one other thing I was going to ask you about, and, um, I don't want to 
take too much of your time. And I also don't want to make these too long where people will look at it and say, oh, an hour and a half. I don't even want to start investing. I don't have that much time, you know, to do that. Um, what I was going to ask you too, and it kind of will blend in with what we're talking about, I feel, um, is do you have anybody who could be in the business or, or elsewhere that you would say, I'd call this person out in a positive way. This is the person who's done some of those things that I try to do. A person who's you know, shown me, you know, you know, my, well, oh, man. my well being. I mean, and if, you know, you can tell a story about that person, if you want, you can call them out by name. If you feel that's, you know, it's appropriate and you want to do that. Is there somebody that has been sort of that strength? There's not just somebody, there are multiple people. I mean, just to name people that come like off the top of my head, Craig Martin, he is a WPS outside sales rep. Something that stuck out to me with Craig was that when I um, obviously went to motorsport, that's the enemy of dealerships. <laughs> um, but the thing that stuck out to me with Craig was I remember one day I just told him, oh, you know, hey, I made a good sale or about, you know, something. And he just showed pure excitement and just care. Um, he's never given me grief, you know, about how it's, you know, I can't talk to you about this because I cater to the shops. Right. He just was happy to see me thriving. People first, um, right? Yep. Jeff McCune, he is the Honda regional um, regional sales rep down here. He has been with me since I was in the shops. Um, and he also has just been supportive throughout the changes, um, you know, that I've gone through in the industry. And, and um, my most recent manager, Alex Coco, um, you know, he's the one that hired me on at Motosport. Um, he always had kind words as far as just seeing how I'm doing outside of work, what he could do uh, to make, you know, work easier for me. Not necessarily easier, but anything that I needed, maybe, you know, working from home with a kid um, comes with its, you know, struggles at times. But he was always open um, to bounce ideas off me or just anything he could do to help me in that aspect. Um, I feel there's just so many. Um, well, I just, they, they all, the common theme with people who I've crossed paths with, um, they all took the time to listen or offer advice. Um, you know, and, and they were seasoned. A lot of these people, they're very seasoned, you know, 20, 20, 25 years in the industry. But they all show um, just genuine care, um, and for that I'm super appreciative. And and anyone else that listens, like if I didn't, you know, if I didn't say your name, like if we have crossed paths, more than likely you've left an impact on me, and you know made me who I am today. And I'm just super grateful. But they all have that same trait of just showing genuine care and interest in how I was both as a person and as an employee. Well. I, 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 too, then will, you know, for, for the examples you gave, for those folks you just mentioned specifically and, and those maybe who you didn't, I, I'll say thank you, too, because obviously to have you come on and have a great, you know, fun conversation that I feel like is the sort of ideas I like to share with dealers. This isn't the sort of stuff you get anywhere else that I know of, you know, not on definitely not on a power sports type of podcast, but I'll say thank you to those people because they, you know, helped you through all the gauntlet that the industry is. And then here you are jumping out with me and 
I'd like to ask, I mean, I don't know, let's not, we don't need to get a calendar out, but hopefully you'll come back on another time and we can delve into some more of this or other topics. And, uh, yeah, I would love to, it's it's the first time I've really gotten to kind of share my experience and, you know, other than when, you know, people at the track I met or they just think, Oh man, how cool you work in the industry. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I would love to come on and, you know, as, time goes on, hopefully I'll learn more stuff and be able to share more things, you know? Always. I, I have no doubt. That's absolutely for sure going to happen for you. So, well, thanks cool. for, thanks for jumping on today. And I'll put some notes, uh, in the, like the show notes area, Tiffany Miller, we can find you on LinkedIn, um, with your gorgeous headshot and then your moto writing <laughs> background pickup there. And then I'll put, if you want, um, some other social media ways to contact you on there. If somebody is looking for, sure. for somebody, uh, you know, to, to say, how can I help navigate this stuff in the business? You obviously have your head on your shoulders in that way, uh, to a great way. And I'll, I'll include that all in the show notes, but thank you for coming on and, uh, we'll catch up with you later. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thank you.